0: episode, you get to meet one of the people in the city of Toronto that I admire most, Kyle Guthrow. Kyle is a project manager. He has been investing in real estate for over 10 years. He was just on the Everyday Millionaire podcast, and he had so many invaluable insights to share about real estate investing, what to do, what not to do, how to get in the game early. He talked about Coastmasters and the impact that it's had on his career and his business life. And he talked about how to take the reins on your life, start to carve out the path that you're really passionate about, getting clear and intentional about the direction you want to take. This was fantastic, and I can't wait for you to see what we have here. This is I Will Teach You To Speak. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We are excited to have you, and I've been looking forward to this for the last couple of weeks. The, the, my favorite part about this show is that I get to meet people that have a lot of influence in communication, but I think one of the things that our audience will be most excited to learn about is that you're also very well-rounded as an individual. You have a, an incredible career, family, You have many investments that we will talk about. And I want to start there because a couple weeks ago, you were on the Everyday Millionaire podcast with the CEO of Rain, and for those of you that don't know, the Real Estate Investment Network, and that's Patrick Francie. And so I wanted to start off by you sharing, what was your experience working with Patrick for that show? And then what's your working relationship with Patrick and then also Richard, who is the president right now of Rain.
1: So talk about uh, out of the box kind of experience. So I've known Patrick and Richard for a good six years. I've been a Rain member for that long, but it wasn't until about the last year or so that we got really uh, kind of in tune. I actually ended up partnering up with Richard and Patrick. Wow. So when the opportunity presented itself, I had to jump on it and being on Patrick's podcast kind of taught me a lot. I was able to kind of dive deep and reflect on things that I don't normally get to talk about. So that's why I love doing podcasts and I love having these discussions because it gives you a great opportunity just to reflect and talk about the successes, the failures, and all the other fun stuff that comes along with being in business and being uh, an entrepreneur.
0: Okay, so right now you're partnered with Patrick and Richard on some projects uh, in Rain, and I think Legacy is the other name. Yeah. I want to take the angle of, you've been a Rain member for six years, and that means you've been investing for, is it 10 years in real estate? Uh, 11 years. 11 years. And I want to dive into real estate briefly. Tell us a little bit about how you first got started, because we have a lot of young people that watch this show. They're really ambitious. They're putting their money away. They're getting ready to invest. How did you first get started in the real estate game?
1: Well, it was perfect timing. It was uh, in the middle of the credit crisis in 2008. I had just graduated and got out of school, landed an amazing full-time job that paid extremely well. And instead of going out and buying stupid things, I started saving my money. Okay. Well, it was in this situation where my dad came to me and said, Hey, my stocks are not doing well. I want to get into real estate.
0: I turned to him and
1: said, no. He's like, no. I go, I just witnessed what we did to our landlord's poor house for the last four years. <laughs> there is no way I'm being a landlord. He said, well, if you want to live under my roof, we're going to go do some investing together. So he kind of pushed me in that direction. I ended up buying a, a fix and flip. So okay. it did need a lot of work and it was the greatest thing I could have ever done. Starting at real estate at the age of 22, 23. Wow. I couldn't have imagined it because it just completely put me in another trajectory to where I am today and owning multiple properties. So I kind of fell into it by accident. Okay. And I can dive into a little bit of the horror stories of being a landlord, but a lot of great
0: lessons learned along the way. Okay. And now that first investment was a flip. Today, your investment strategy is a little bit different, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, the first one, it wasn't a flip and sell. It was a, I had to fix it
1: and then rent it out. Okay. Yeah. And rented it out to this great family. They ended up living there for six years. I held on to that property for wow. a long time. It was a single floor bungalow in Hamilton Mountain, purchased and rented in Hamilton because I was kind of uh, where I was born and raised. So, I knew that market. Okay. And, Two or three years later, I just got to the realization that old homes need work. They need windows. They need roofs. They need kitchens. They need upgrades. And it started kind of chewing away at my bank account. Funny story is uh, not even two months into owning that property, the tenants call me, or as I like to call them, clients. The clients called me and said, there's water in our basement damn oh man after we just renovated the basement Mm. so we start taking down the freshly painted walls that we had done what did we discover a crack in the foundation eight thousand dollar fix later patched it up put the drywall back up lesson learned yeah make sure you have some money floating before you even buy
0: a property okay and so that was a flip and then rent and today I think if I recall from the other podcast, you try to purchase newer properties then?
1: Yeah. So my strategy is strictly new builds now. Okay. Just because the portfolio grew substantially and it would have been too hard to maintain multiple uh, older properties that that needed just lots of attention. Okay. And it wasn't to the tenants or the client's fault. It was just that the home was aged. So I said, I'm going to go buy brand new townhouses. A lot of people in our age demographics wanted to live in them, so I upgraded them with the stainless steel appliances, the grounder, the stone countertops, the hardwood floors, almost like what their parents wanted. So when yep. they come in, they'd be like, wow, this is stunning. Wow. Okay. And it was also in a time when those were getting purchased in, back in 2011. I started renting them out. I was having so much success that I ended up going to the developer saying, can I buy like two or three more on the same street? I okay. uh, ended up sharing the news with my brothers. And between uh, my family and I, we ended up buying five on the same street. Wow.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this because I know every market's gonna be a little bit different. Toronto's different than Hamilton, Hamilton's different than Kitchener Waterloo. But for somebody more of an overarching theme, if someone wants to get into the game today, do you have specific recommendations around whether you flip and rent, whether you buy new builds, or is it more based off the individual and what their risk tolerance is? Like, Do you have a way that you could try to coach us?
1: Uh, yeah, it all comes down to personality. It comes down to your style. Uh, risk is one of them, but honestly, with new build, whether you purchase a new build or... A fix and flip or a buy and hold. The strategies are all kind of along the same line. If you treat the clients and you treat the real estate property like a business, you just set yourself up that much more for success. So, what I mean by that is so each property has its own bank account. You manage and monitor all the cash that goes in and out of those properties. On top of that, you treat tenants, not like tenants, they're clients. So what do you do for clients at Christmas? You buy them gifts. Nice. You have to remember these people pay so much money in rent. The least you can do is reward them for paying rent on time, taking care of your property. And I've just found building those relationships with my clients, AKA tenants. I found that I'm able to get them to stay longer. They're treat the property amazingly. Like for example, I was at one of my rentals yesterday. And the backyard looked like it was professionally landscaped. Mm. I could not believe how well taken care of the property was. Amazing. So just setting yourself up for success in the beginning, ultimately, whether you focus on an older home and you go and renovate it to the nines, you can be successful that way as well. But three things need to happen in real estate. And for your young listeners out there, the biggest thing they need to do is focus on getting top clients and top tenants in their property. Because those are the people that will pay down the mortgage. If they stop paying rent, you're screwed. Your real estate and ventures are over because then who's paying for the property? You are. So that's number one. Number two, the property has to, at a minimum, cash flow. You need to weather the storms That when rents go down or rents fluctuate or you know what, you take a month vacancy, your rents need to be way more than your expenses. Now in today's market, it's a little difficult. And unfortunately, two, even a year ago, we were seeing a lot of people buying on speculation. Last thing you should be doing. People were buying negative cash flowing properties because they were thinking, oh my God, my house appreciated $100,000 in a year. And then guess what? The market softened and the prices actually dipped. And now you're holding on to a negative cash flowing property. Just in business, how many assets can you hold on to that are negative cash flowing before the bank says, we're not giving you any more money?
0: Only if you got a and lot then,
1: of cash. And then the third one is appreciation. This is like the icing on the cake that's a cherry on top. Okay. You don't buy for appreciation. This is what was happening last year and the year before. Speculators were coming into the market going, this is so easy. Look at the market. It's going up tenfold over every six months. Mm. Like I said, that is a nice to have. Ultimately, though, you need your tenants to pay your mortgage, have some extra cash for the expenses that are going to come up. And then the appreciation is just, you know what, your hard work paying you off down the road.
0: Okay, amazing. That's great advice. I really appreciate that. And one last thing before we shift gears, is ten years into the game, that's a lot of. You know, you've had some great tenants. They landscaped your backyard. I'm sure you have some horror stories, like you said. But I I, want to ask you, is it all worth it? Because let let me let me give you an example. Let's say I'm a young professional, and just to throw this out there, let's say I have $100,000 to invest in real estate. I might be able to get a property that's $350,000, something of that nature. If I put 20% down. What's the difference between investing in that property for cash flow with quality tenants versus just putting 75,000 or 100,000 dollars into a long-term index fund or a dividend-paying stock? Like, what's the positives negatives so that people can make the right decision? Like, is it at the end of the day? Is it worth it to get all the headaches of being in the real estate game? And my short answer is yes. Now, I'm, a, I'm, of course,
1: going to be a bit biased towards mm-hmm. real estate because that's my passion and that's my love. And you know what? Maybe we'll share the horror stories over a beer one day later. Okay. There has been some ugly times in real estate, but just as no different if you were a serial entrepreneur starting up your first company, what it really taught me was that I wanted to be in control. I didn't want to let some guy in a suit on the 60th floor on Bay Street control where my money was going. I wanted to physically see it. And to be honest, knowing that I was in control really just pushed me that much more. It's too often you hear people saying, Oh, how'd your investments do? And they're like, eh, I only made three or 4%, maybe five. And that's decent for doing no work, but Mm -hmm. you tack in inflation and you're really talking about not making much money. Mm -hmm. Whereas with real estate, If you go in and you buy a three hundred twenty-five thousand dollar property, let's just say KWC, Kitchener-Waterloo, Cambridge, which is the tech triangle of Ontario, and you buy it for three fifty, and you put down the one hundred thousand dollar down payment, and then you put even ten grand into it, paint it up, renovate, freshen up the kitchen and bathroom, you could easily potentially turn around and sell it two or three years later for four hundred. Or 450 depending on what the market does mm-hmm. now your index funds may not do that they are a much safer and kind of stay at home investment real estate can be risky but if you do the right calculations and here's the biggest thing work with people that are in the industry that know it the reason why i think a lot of my success came from was being in the room with those people that are like-minded Okay. Being in the room with the Real Estate Investment Network taught me so much. They were able to accelerate it. It could be if your listeners are out there, going talking to a mentor, going talk to a coach. Don't take advice from your next door neighbor who has zero rental properties. Of course he's going to say it's scary because guess what he <laughs> listens to? The news, mm-hmm. the headlines, the market's falling, the market's crashing. It's not. I can find you any cash flowing property in any market. And that's not to brag or boast. That's just to say the opportunities are there. And again, being a little biased, but I truly believe that real estate could pay way more dividends and it gives you a lot of good lessons learned and gives you that entrepreneurial business experience without having to start a business from zero. Because there's so many people out there, it doesn't matter what community you're in, people need places to live. And with immigration coming at, uh, I think the federal government said a million people in three years, people are coming into the country and they can't get mortgages in their first couple of
0: years coming into our country. Huge opportunities to rent them out. Hey, well, I really appreciate that perspective. Like we were saying before the show, if I could be in even like a half the fraction of the position that you're in in 10 years, then we did it right. Uh, Really excited for where you've gone. I know that you just purchased your Muskoka property, so you should be very excited about your personal beliefs, as they would say, in rain. I do want to shift gears out of real estate, talk a little bit about communication, because we actually met at a Speaker Slam event, which was an incredible event, and you absolutely crushed that speech. I know you gave this (laughs) speech about the way that you proposed to your wife with the penguins. That was a lot of fun. But how did you end up there in the first place? I know that you're a Toastmaster. For the audience that's listening, they know that I'm really into communication, public speaking. Toastmasters changed my life. Did they do the same for you? Or what was the reason that you started that in the first place? Uh,
1: So kind of to take you back a bit, I always had a knack for public speaking. I always loved being in the front of the room. I always loved solving problems. And I think it's interesting enough that I kind of fell into this world because I was doing public speaking before Toastmasters. I was going to events and speaking in front of five, six, eight thousand people. Oh, wow. And and again, not to boast or brag, but it, it was I found myself being nervous. I found myself making mistakes and it wasn't until I joined Toastmasters that I really just polished my public speaking. They taught me so many different ways of speaking, so many different types of communication styles. And the big thing that I took away from Toastmasters was that it opened up another network. I'm a huge Mm -hmm. believer in networking and getting with people that are like-minded you, they often say you are the average of the five people you spend your most time with. Mm-hmm. So why not spend the most time with the best people on the planet? And Toastmasters just did that for me. When I started meeting with advanced members and seeing the, the likes of like Ted Libergenis, moving his way up into the worlds. And I just said, I want to be on that stage. I want to get there. The competitiveness came out in me, but the big thing was was that it was able to teach me little things and little habits that I was doing wrong. So often as a speaker, you don't notice your mistakes because you just keep doing it every single time. Okay. It's like that little bad habit that you just learned from when maybe you were a kid that you carried with you. And it wasn't until you get it pointed out that you say, Hey, did you notice that you say this word a lot? Mm-hmm. You could maybe change it with this one. And with social media and the way we are with our phones, communication is more important now than ever because so many people are trying to get their messages out. So much noise is on the internet, so much yes. noise is in the news and in the headlines. So really our attention span is shrinking by the second. And it's so important that everyone has those elevator pitches and it has that maybe even... Not a 30 second one, but a 15 second one
0: where you can grab someone's attention, hand them a business card and say, I'd love to go for coffee. Nice. Yeah, I think that's valuable advice because first and foremost, this speaks volumes to what you said originally about the network. We met through the Toastmasters network. If it wasn't for me going to Toastmasters, I never would have met Rena and Dan. And if I didn't meet Rena and Dan, I wouldn't have been at Speaker Slam and I never would have met you, and this podcast would have never happened. So I think that speaks volumes to that example. And I want to touch on that. You mentioned a couple mistakes. So I'm just wondering the mistakes you're able to solve for by taking advantage of toastmasters and the feedback that you got there where have you found it's been the most impactful was it has it been on stage with like you said thousands of people has it been with your relationship with your wife in your career in your real estate business like where have you seen the greatest benefit of practicing public speaking at toastmasters uh, i think the one of the biggest
1: important ones was body language i always kind of found myself on stage just pacing back and forth okay that was a lot of criticism that i got from or sorry criticism about a lot of feedback i got back from people that were evaluating that i wasn't moving with purpose that Mm. i was kind of wandering on stage and if subconsciously as a as an audience member and you notice this you notice when people play with their hair or their lanyards or they're clenching their fists or they're pointing Body language is super important. And when I started learning that, I was able to identify things that I was doing wrong, things that I could fix. But also, here's the thing. I was able to help other junior Toastmasters Mm. master that because I find it so important because so often your audience is not totally paying attention to your message, but your story. And if you can bring emotion and body language and enthusiasm into it,
0: man, that sells. Okay. Facts tell, stories sell. Stories do sell. And I appreciate some of the stories you've been sharing tonight. One last thing I'm curious about on the communication piece is someone in your life that you admire whose communication skills impress you or you're drawn towards, or you try to mimic, or like you said, we're the average of the five people spend the most time with. Is there anyone's communication style that you really admire that, that, uh, and what's the reason for that? Hands down, lately it's been one of my business partners. His name's Richard Dolan. Richard, yes, and Richard's amazing.
1: And to be honest, he shared the stages with the likes of Tony Robbins, Oprah, five presidents, many prime ministers. And to be honest, it wasn't what that I learned on stage, but what it was what I learned being in his presence the way he treated waitresses, hostesses, just people in the general public, his attention to detail, his attention to people just having a conversation with him. That was what I I vastly noticed my improvement was that I started being a sponge. I started learning through osmosis. And I found myself almost not mimicking or imitating, but Again, we are a reflection of our people mm-hmm. that we spend our most time yes. with. And I was spending a lot of time with Richard and I was learning a lot of his styles and just his stage presence. I know there's, there's phenomenal speakers out there, but man, he's one of the best, if not. And I'm going to throw a little um uh, pitch sales pitch in there for him. He's doing a two day performance, S- uh, seminar on September fifth and sixth. So, if any of your listeners are interested, I'm telling you, it will blow your mind. So it's you just learn so much from him, and he's just infectious with so much good energy and so much enthusiasm, and you just can learn so much from him. And I think th- there is a, a collection of other individuals, such as my my parents, father, other friends that I always looked up to. But I've just noticed as of late, rich has had a lot of impact in uh not just my life, but my professional career, my speaking career. And just again, I'm so enthusiastic and you can almost sense the passion in me that yeah you you ultimately just love hanging out with people that constantly cheer you on. Mm. And I've just found that as I get older and older and older, my group of friends unfortunately is shrinking. And that's not a bad okay. thing. It's just that I don't know if I want to talk about fantasy football. I don't know if I want to go talk about remember that time when we were kids and we were playing hockey, let's, let's go talk business. Let's go Mm -hmm. talk about improving ourselves. Let's talk about mindsets of consciousness, consciousness. Let's talk about real estate. Let's talk about ways that we can improve each other or even, you know what? You've got an idea. I want to hear it and guess what? I want to be your biggest cheerleader, your biggest fan. And that's why I love doing these podcasts and I love seeing people living out their passion
0: i love that i love the enthusiasm for the relationship i can tell he's been a really positive influence on your life and just a heads up one more time richard's doing a performance seminar on the 5th and 6th of september yeah in toronto so if
1: people are interested in that Tell them to reach out to me or yourself and we can get that information.
0: Yeah, if you can get the link to me, then I'll post that in the show notes and people can check that out. Perfect. Let's talk a little bit more about you personally. I'm always really interested in habits of high performers. I know you have so many things going on in your life right now. So (laughs) staying on top of that can be really challenging. I've always believed in keeping track of the bookends, so the beginning of the day and the end of the day, because you can't always control everything else that happens in between but you can control those two typically. So first and foremost, what does the first 60 minutes typically look like for you? Do you have a routine or does that change day to day? It does change, but predominantly
1: what happened, I wanted to get in. I was always going to good life and I was always saying, yeah, you know what? I was in shape, but it wasn't until about a year or a half ago, two years ago that I joined a gym in the West End of Toronto, Fifth Factory, which was a military boot camp-style gym, that I started noticing. You know what? I just don't have time to go to the gym at this particular gym. What if I went in the morning? Mm. Now, being a person that's never worked out a day in my life before noon, okay, I was like, let's try this. Okay, and so I started going to the gym at uh, seven o'clock in the morning. And I'd bike over there because I really wasn't uh, within the walking distance. Mm-hmm. And I just started getting hooked. The people there, again, surrounding yourself with like-minded people, everyone was really in great spirits, cheering you on, pushing you. So I start my day waking up and ultimately I try not to touch my phone. Now that is difficult, but... I've been kind of making a promise to myself that I won't go on social media until at least lunchtime. Okay. So I avoid social media. Now for a while, I was actually keeping my cell phone out of the bedroom. And I think that was helping a lot. Now with business getting a little crazy, I was falling asleep with the phone in my room, but mm-hmm. trying to get that back on track. So often my first hour is woke, waking up and rushing my butt to the gym. Okay. Uh, I usually have a small snack and then after the gym, protein shake and then back to eating some breakfast. Fantastic. Uh, But I've just found when I started working out super early in the morning, it got that excuse out of the way. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't have time to go to the gym. Oh, I can't go to the gym. And it, it, to be honest, it built a great routine because it was there every morning and I really didn't have an excuse. And the greatest thing is that when you sign up for a class, If you don't show up,
0: they charge you. People And it's
1: not just like $5. It's $20. And people Mm -hmm. were outraged by it. And I loved it. I wish they charged more. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? When money or skins in the game, you are even more committed. And I was not skipping because I was too cheap to lose that money.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm always yeah. a fan of anyone that advocates for fitness and health, getting the endorphins flowing, the blood flowing to your brain, to your body, waking up, uh, moving, your, moving yourself. I always like to say that the word emotion is in the root of the word is motion. So when you, when you move your body, you have motion, you start to create those emotions that you really want to experience in life, like power, enthusiasm, uh, high energy. So Definitely appreciate that. I do the same thing in the morning. What about the tail end? You said that things have been getting a little bit crazy, but what have you found to be a nightly routine that really works for you or that you've experienced in the past that's been successful?
1: Uh, So what's been different is that we, as of recently changed one of our bedrooms into an office, and it really was able to give me a spot to just leave my computer, ground myself, And not let it interfere with other things that were happening throughout the house. So late on after, um, in the evening, my wife would go to bed and she's a person that uh, loves her sleep. And, you know, I I am a little bit different. I'm a bit of a night owl as well. And I pay the price for it sometimes in the morning going to the gym. But I'm a person that's up till 12, 31, sometimes even two o'clock in the morning when I got to be up for the gym at uh, 630 but and sometimes that's bad because you sacrifice sleep but for me the big thing is is just trying to get through some work it's a great time because it's quiet no one's texting you no one's messaging you that late at night so the phone's not disturbing me and a lot of times uh i will write in a journal or i'll reflect and some people do that in the morning i find sometimes at night i can really kind of unwind shut my brain off and kind of just start getting ready for bed any specific do, journal you use? um so i actually do i'm a big advocate of the five minute journal okay yeah so i do uh fill that one out in the morning and then i fill it out in the evening and it just gets me into a great mood of showing gratitude and being grateful and being appreciative and then I'm, I'm a big fan and a big advocate for that because man mindset is everything. And I'm still trying to learn that word and that uh, world every single day, because without it, it just leads to disease and it leads to depression and it leads to anxiety. And you know what, we've all had those days and we've all been down that path, but if you can just kind of snap out of it and get back in the right mindset, man, it changes the world around. You
0: look at everything differently. Fantastic. Well, speaking of gratitude, I wanted to say that I I am really grateful for your friendship, really grateful for you deciding to be on the show, spending your time with us. To close off, I've got one last question for you. It's my favorite way to end the show because I get to direct the conversation the whole way, but now it's your time. Is there anything on your heart that, whether you read it in a book recently or it's been on your mind or lessons you've learned throughout your life, anything that's on your heart that you want to share with the audience, full reigns, anything you want to share Go ahead. Anything. uh, It's all you. Uh, I think the one big thing is
1: networking, connecting with like-minded people and just paying attention to it. So I'm a big proponent of awareness and really trying to focus on what you actually want in life. Mm. So often the people that I mentor or I coach or I help or even get into real estate, They're like a cork in the ocean, just floating around, just waiting for life to happen to them. When realistically, we can determine what our life entails and what direction we want to go to. And you'll start to notice that you start attracting those things in your life. And it was when I picked up uh, the book, Think and Grow Rich. But just to take it one step back earlier, the reason why I picked up that book was because I was at a real estate investment network seminar and one of the guest speakers was Bob Proctor. Oh, wow. And man, it was, I didn't know who he was at the time. That's amazing. And when he's kept talking about this book and this book, I'm like, what book is he talking about? <laughs> I picked it up and it's one of the best business self-development books on the planet. It's been, it's held the test of time. The stuff that was written by Napoleon Hill in the thirties is still relevant to today's information, yes. which is amazing. And I've actually, it's the number one good book that I've gifted the most. Mm -hmm. And it's the number one book that I've read the most. I've actually reread it and reread it and reread it. So if the listeners are out there, pick up a copy of it. Greatest thing is it's a cheap book and I love having discussions around it.
0: Okay, great. So focus on your network, that mastermind group, focus on being intentional, and having a clear direction of where you want to go. And if you have the opportunity, hit up Amazon, go to uh, and purchase Think and Grow Rich. And it's interesting that Bob didn't mention his own book, Born Rich. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've ever read that before, but I love Born Rich. And I I really enjoyed the lessons there. Okay, fantastic. Really appreciate you being on the show. Like I said, this has been fantastic for both investors, public speakers, anyone who wants to grow their career and their mindset. I... Would like to ask, is there anywhere that we can follow you, anywhere we can stay up to date with what you're doing?
1: So I'm in the process of getting better at that. I'm okay. uh, not a huge social media person, but I am on it. They can find me on Instagram at Kyle Guthrow, at Kyle Guthrow. Probably one of the great spots to find me. And uh, another, maybe, good spot is to email me, guthrow k g-u-t-h-r-o letter K at gmail.com. I love helping people. It's one of my missions. It's one of my goals in life. So if your listeners or anybody out there has questions or comments, or just want to have a chat or even go for a coffee, I encourage them to hit me up because if we can share the knowledge and share the wealth, you know, we're going to leave the world in a much
0: better place. Okay. Kyle, I admire you so much. Uh, This couldn't have turned out any better and I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank
1: you so much for having me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure.